what are you going to do with your business and what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, that's the real question that I think we're all trying to answer as we work through. And finances are, they're just a tool to help you get there. Hey, it's Joel Pilger. And Tim Thompson. And welcome to episode 42 of the Rev Thinking Podcast, the conversation between creative entrepreneurs who know the best way to deal with the future is to create it. Today's episode is an interview with Jason Fletcher called The Story Your Finances Are Telling You. Welcome to Rev Thinking. RevThink leverages years of experience and practical wisdom to help owners of top creative studios. So you don't have to choose between following your passion and running your business. Now here is your host, Joel Pilger. Hey, it's Joel. And today is Wednesday, May 2nd. I'm here in Los Angeles with RevThink's chief revolution thinker, Tim Thompson. Tim, I think you're the perfect person to introduce our guest, Jason, today, because you two have been working together for years. Yes. Jason actually has very literally been there from the beginning. He was the bank manager at the local bank when I opened my checking account. So Jason was the person that gave me my first financial advice. That's perfect. Well, hey, before we get into the interview with Jason, let's cover a few quick announcements, if that's cool, because I want you to first tell us uh, a little bit about Show Launcher. Show Launcher is a program we're doing in partnership with Nappy. It's a quarterly workshop series. Our next event is May 24th, 2018, here in Los Angeles. Um, the topic we're going to discuss is don't sell TV, develop TV that sells. I'm doing this class with Patrick Jaeger, who is the vice president of development at Craftsy NBC Universal. And the two of us are going to break this masterclass into three sessions. The first session is the one happening in May. The session is called Understanding the Marketplace. Very cool. And then, of course, we have Promax BDA coming up in New York in June, which is an annual pilgrimage, right, to uh, either New York or L.A. RevThink's going to be there. Our team is going to be there. And also coming at Promax, um, we have a big announcement about the future of creative entrepreneurs and how that community of agency owners uh, inside Promax BDA will be moving forward. So can't share anything yet. It's top secret, but details coming soon and we're excited to share. If you're listening and you want more information, just go to our website, revthink.com. And if you're an owner of a creative firm, we invite you to join our seven ingredients private Facebook group. Okay. So back to today's episode, Tim, can you set us up for this interview with Jason? I would love to hear why it's important for a business owner to understand the story your finances are telling you. And also tell us why Jason is the perfect person to walk us through it. For sure. What we've discovered at RevThink is your finances are the dashboard to your vehicle. And you need to be able to see what's coming up, plan for the trip, uh, know when you're running out of gas, and when you can accelerate, move forward, and even change lanes. So Jason has been with me, as I said, from the beginning, and the two of us can see the pattern and recognize the opportunities, the goals, helps companies set objectives, and really just give clean financial advice uh, that will help them not only take care of their current needs and move forward to make those long-term financial decisions. And why is Jason the perfect person to walk us through that? Well, it's because Jason comes from a financial background and he's learned how to translate the finances for a creative entrepreneur. Okay, cool. Thanks, Tim. It's good to be with you here in Los Angeles. We got a lot of work to do, (laughs) but we're going to get into the episode now. So here is my interview with Jason Fletcher and the story your finances are telling you. So Jason, say hello to the Rev Thinking podcast audience. 
Hello, Rev Thinking. <laughs> this is kind of funny because since you and I work together, right, we talk all the time, but I, our audience doesn't necessarily know you by your voice. You are one of those Rev Thinkers more behind the scenes than, than out as front as much as Tim and I are. Yeah, right. Well, it's been it's been interesting as I've I've been working with Tim for almost 7 years now. Actually, it's over 7 years. Just getting to know and work with clients and understand the creative studio and the process that it goes through. It's just been a huge privilege for me. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned working with creative studios because I think every industry loves to claim at least well, our industry is different. Our industry is unique. Right, right. And I think the creative industry, when I think of studios and production companies um, and creative agencies, I think, I think it actually fits. Would you agree? Because you, ca you came from a background where you worked with a wide variety of different business types. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that the thing about a creative studio is that oftentimes you have these, you know, one-sided brain people that essentially were so good at what they did that they, they kept doing it over and over. And then they got their friends to help them do it too. And all of a sudden they had a business. And so that really forced them into, Oh, I, I have to put some structure behind what it is that I'm doing. And that's always been the fun challenge for me. And it, it's, it's been fun to watch some of the companies that recognize that early on in their development you know, say less than a million dollars in revenue. And then you find the companies that discovered it almost too late in their cycle and they're, they're almost too large and the owner can't continue to keep running that business. It's just been a fascinating, a fascinating evolution of seeing how businesses develop and, and form over years. Well, that's, that's a good segue just to briefly describe sort of your, specialty and expertise within the RevThink ecosystem. And because my sort of sweet spot is in those ingredients of sales and marketing and a lot of that, the positioning type stuff. And what I love about you is thank God there's people like Jason that actually love the <laughs> finance part, right? Because yeah. I, you know, for in all the years I ran my uh, production company, um, I had different people, playing that part as well. But quite honestly, I look back and go, oh, man, I wish I had a Jason back in those days. So for you, I guess it's been a, just a fun journey to be the finance specialist, brain guru, what have you, coming into all these creative companies where the need is obviously very big. I think the most interesting and fascinating part of my you know, journey, if you'll call it that, has been, it's, it's not just about the finance side of things. It's been about coming alongside the, the creative brain, the leader, the entrepreneur, the risk taker and saying, great, you, you solved the sales problem or, or whatever it is that you had and you keep delivering kick-ass creative. What are you going to do with your business? And what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, that's the real question that I think we're all trying to answer as we work through. Um, and finances are, they're just a tool to help you get there. 
they're, you know, finance, let's, let's hope finances are the problem that's created once you've solved the sales problem. And it's just a tool for you to define who you want to be, who you want your company to be and how you want to get there. And, and so that's been the most interesting component of, of working with the firms that I have been. Well, I would think that's refreshing to a lot of people listening that might run a company because I think maybe that's one of the pitfalls when you think of, okay, it's time for us as a company, we're over a million or we're over 2 million. We clearly need to go hire that resource, right? We're going to go get right. a controller. We're going to go hire a bookkeeper. We're going to go get a CPA. And I think the fear of a lot of creative people is, oh God, are they going to just geek out on all of this, these numbers and spreadsheets? And I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to become that thing, but I guess I right. just have to suck it up. And the, maybe the good news you're sharing is, hey, finance is just a means to an end called you want to run a successful business and you want to create a yeah. future that you desire. And that's just a means to an end. You know, one of the things that, and, and that's exactly right, Joel, but one of, one of the things that Tim said early on to some of the newer clients that we acquired and it kind of exploded on us. And at some point you have to fire your mom. Like you, you have this small shop, this mom and pop organization, it gets bigger and bigger. And at some point you have to pivot. And the sooner you can do that and maintain the momentum, the better off and the healthier your organization is going to be. The other thing is I, I never want to geek out to numbers because numbers are just a means to an end. Again, it's it's back to what do you want? Well, as an owner, as an entrepreneur, what do you want out of your business? And what is it doing for you? Again, you know, Tim Thompson, fame, fortune, freedom, which one is it? And how do we get you there? Yeah, exactly. I, and the, I think once a person becomes clear about what those things are, it's it can actually be pretty fun to put mm -hmm. systems and routines. I know that sounds yeah. dry and boring. Cause that's never been my, my bag either, but believe me, yeah, right. putting systems and routines in place in order to create that future, it is exciting because it's things like we want to be this type of company. We want to have this kind of stability. We want these kinds of clients. We want this sort of a return our, on all this investment of time and energy and money and all the rest that we're making. And so putting those things in place in order to create that longer term, bigger picture result um, I agree is actually pretty, da pretty dang exciting, even though it, at times it seems like it's all about numbers and spreadsheets. Yeah. I, I think the, you know, the, the thing I like to say when it comes to those numbers and spreadsheets is like the, and this is, this is probably the, if I had to distill down what, what I love about what I do with RevThink and the clients that I get to work for is there's a story in that data. It's not a spreadsheet. There's a story in there. And what an owner needs is a translator, someone that can tease out the story from that data and then develop a strategy associated with it that moves the business forward. And sometimes that strategy is achieving the hopes and dreams of what the owner uh, wants out of the, you know, the business. Or sometimes the strategy is how to avoid the imminent disaster that might be you know, looming just around the corner. Um, but the reality is like the data tells a story. And if you can tease that story out of it and then develop a strategy, that's the critical part 
about helping creative firms right there. Well, I love you just use that word translator, right? Is that, yeah. is that what you feel like you spend a lot of your time doing is translating or decoding? I think that's, it's definitely half of what I do. It's a translator. <laughs> it's someone who can take, you know, first of all, you know, I have a couple of sayings with, with information like data, garbage in, garbage out. Everybody knows that one. So if you don't have good data or good information, then, then it's, it's pointless. And the other one I, I love is data trumps emotion. Hmm. You can't look at a P&L or a profit and loss statement that's bleeding red ink and go, I feel great about my business. Like there's no emotion that can happen. And, and conversely, if it's black ink all the way and, and you're building profit upon profit, like data trumps emotion. So the, the, the question really is, what's the story behind the data and what's the strategy that you're going to use because of the data and the story? Right. So that's, that's what I love about that. Now, maybe you can either confirm or dispel this question, and that is, are healthy finances all about data? Like, oh, that, that number's black, that number's red in my creative studio. So therefore, we're healthy or we're not healthy. I would say that it's tempting to say the answer to that question is yes, but it's not. Healthy finances or a healthy studio is all about the intelligence. So I would bet that a lot of people listening right now have been in the position where the finances didn't look so healthy. They knew that, hey, it was going to be a squeeze to make the next payroll or something along those lines. But if you don't have the intelligence about behind what's happening on the business development front, maybe there's the next project from you know the, the new media, who, whoever it is, like that's going to hit. So healthy finances, they certainly, I, I, the simplest way to put it is, the data is oftentimes behind the reality. So it's a data is a reflection of what the reality was. Mm -hmm. And then it's, it's incumbent upon, you know, me or, or someone in that role to take that data. And like, we love to say at RevThink to help create the future. You take the data, you create what the future is, and that's what's empowers an owner or a creative entrepreneur to, to go for what's next. So I want to paint a little picture when I think of a lot where a lot of creative businesses start. So you imagine, you know, a couple of creative guys or gals, they kind of strike out on their own. They get a first big project and they're mm -hmm. like, Hey, we're, we're doing this. And then they get another project and they get another project. And what I find is you can go even up to a million dollars or so in revenue per year, just doing project after project. And then, absolutely, you, you know, and you can be quite convinced that, well, as long as every project is profitable, our business is healthy. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, yeah, exactly. You know where I'm going, right? Why are you chuckling? <laughs> well, I would say two things. So the first one is that I've seen it so many times. It's the small studio. They, they land this job. They land that job. They, the creative is awesome. And they, they keep growing. And of course, then they're hiring people. They're mostly freelancers at first, and then they, they move on and hopefully they're hiring a creative director or, an, you know, employees. But like at some point, the way I, the way I like to, to phrase it is like, everybody has to grow up. You have to become a real business with 
real HR and real vacation time and real like. And so the what I found is that different owners have a various have different thresholds for when they can, you know, sort of max out in that capacity. Mm -hmm. So. So at some point you have to grow up and become, you know, what I always say is a big boy company, like you're, or a big girl company, but right. you're running, <laughs> you're running a real business. And my experience has been that most of the people that start out with awesome creative and, and growing that, like the idea of running their, the, the, the real grown up business isn't very exciting for them. It's not their passion. It's not what they want to do. It's a byproduct of the fact that they're so good at creative and they've hired the right talent and they're providing a great service or, you know, something along those lines. It's like the business is a byproduct. It's not, it's not the focus. So for them, it was never about the business, but I think maybe the unfortunate truth or reality is that I think creative entrepreneurs, they, they thrive on challenge and the next bigger thing. They want to solve bigger problems. They want to do great work. But the reality is, you know, clients look to a business, not a couple of freelancers to solve those level of problems, right? When you're talking six figure budgets or, you know, millions of dollars a year, they're looking to a business. And like you said, that's a grown-up proposition. Um, you know, what yeah. I often say is a series of projects doesn't make a business. There are actually issues right. that transcend all of those projects. And that's where I think the ingredient of finance can play a big part in making things run better, easier. Oh, my Siri is going off. Sorry. <laughs> I said something called "Hey Siri" very in the last couple of sentences, and she woke up. But, um, but yeah, that that idea that um, that a series of projects, no matter how big or successful, really doesn't define a business. Those are projects, right. and a business is a business. Yeah, and let's not forget that a couple of things. But the one main thing is like I think it's fantastic that we get to you know, work with all of the, the clients that, that we, we do, whether they're broadcast or network or, you know, the streaming, whatever, but like, and, and maybe they're creating their own content, maybe they're purchasing their own content, what, whatever it is, like at the end of the day, even the creative people that our clients, the RevThink clients are working with, <laughs> they're working at a business, Oh yeah. And it's totally about in almost every circumstance, it's totally about I've got to get these dollars translated to screen time so I can get this ad time. It's a business yeah. and we can and we can, you know, wax romantic if we want to about how it's creative and sometimes it is and sometimes we go out and we create our own content or we're working with documentaries or things like that but like the reality is like what we are doing is feeding another business machine. So if we don't grow up and get into the business side of things, like we're we're not playing with a full deck. Yeah. Well, clearly, I mean, we have to sometimes interface with the likes of, I don't know, Apple or uh, Netflix Mm -hmm. or somebody like that on behalf of our clients. And yeah, you definitely have to have your 
big boy pants on in order, in order to have that yeah. kind of a conversation. And they expect to be interacting with a business that's fully professional and, and yeah. savvy in all of those various areas. So <laughs> let's ask this question, because when we talked about the series of projects, not defining a business, um, I think part of the misnomer there or, or misunderstanding is that people think, well, if I do a project, I bring this and this money, I spend a certain amount of money to do the job and the money that's left over is profit. And of course, you and I are going to chuckle at that as well. But a lot of people ask us about this concept that we have at RevThink, which we call the splits, meaning how the money is split right. when it comes into the business. Some of the money goes to the business. Some of it goes to the project. Can you explain what that basic concept is? Because I think it's quite strange to creative entrepreneurs that haven't yeah. haven't actually put it into practice. Yeah, it, it's so interesting to to dig into a client's, you know, sort of ecosystem and and look at their projects and how they, they track things and and see such a vast different ways of doing things. I mean, simply put, and and, and as I say this, everyone listening will say, well, of course, you know, what am I stupid? Of course okay. I know that, but I can't tell you how many clients that I've started working with where you say, okay, your project budget is a hundred thousand um, dollars. How much are you going to spend? And they're like, well, we're going to spend what it takes to get it done. And it's <laughs> like, and, and the answer, like, that's the wrong answer to the question. Um, because if either you didn't put forth, a correct bid to begin with that took into account the fact that there are these like things about being a business called taxes and rent and utilities and cell phones and all these other things that we have to spend money on um, that have to be a part of our project budgets. So the splits is really simply a way for us to, to put uh, this, I, I would call it rigor or discipline in place for studios where if it's a hundred thousand dollar project, you know, perhaps you give your creative team, your producer, forty or fifty or fifty-five thousand dollars to do the project, and then they're you know moving on, and and you keep as an owner, you keep the balance to do things like pay for taxes and pay for rent and all of the things that are considered overhead in your business, and that's really what the splits are all about. And as, again, I can't say it enough, everyone listening is going to say, well, duh, I've stepped into so many studios and dove into their projects. And there might be this loose concept about what this needs to be, but there's very little discipline around making sure that you allocate enough dollars for a project budget and a studio budget. Yeah. No, I love that because I think what I'm hearing you say in so many words is it's the intentionality of we actually decide how we spend money before we even mm -hmm. receive it. So yeah. we know if the project is a hundred thousand, we'll spend 50 on the project. If it's 200,000, we'll spend a hundred on the project. Right. And once you realize there's a simple equation where you can make those decisions in advance, you have a real power and influence over those outcomes, as opposed to, like you said, most studios think, well, we're just going to spend whatever we have to spend to get it done. And hopefully 
we there's will money on the back end. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully there's money left over. We manage right. the number of revisions and the client doesn't change their mind 18 times. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. And I'm reminded of uh, a quote from someone who worked for me that I always loved. She would always say, hope is not a plan. <laughs> That's exactly right. It's not a plan. It's not a plan. Yeah. I know there's people hearing that and they're saying, dude, a hundred thousand dollar project. If I spent only 50,000 on the project, my client would like take me to court or sue me because there's no way I can get it done for that. There are obviously some times where you don't price a project correctly. You, you bid it wrong. Um, you over promise. There's a couple of components to that. First of all, Yes, you can deliver it for that. And, and, and it's very tempting for, for owners, creative entrepreneurs, people that are leading studios to think or to diminish the value that their operation has behind the, the team that's producing the projects. So there's value there. There's value in the experience. There's value in you know, all of those things. And you have to you have to assess that value or assign that value to a project. Yeah, it's not coming from anywhere else. Because it, yeah, it's not coming from a rainbow um, <laughs> somewhere, you know, out there. Like, and and the other thing I think is that if you're con, I guess I wouldn't say constantly. If you're routinely checking in on a project, its financial, its creative health, then you're going to be in the driver's seat on how to change things. If you see a project heading sideways, you can, you can mitigate that by trimming deliverables, managing the client better, empowering the producer. You know, so there's a lot of, of components around a routine where you look at projects health on a weekly basis. Uh, this is something we do with many of our RevThink clients. Yeah. It's a weekly meeting where we talk about, here's the project budget, the client's happy or unhappy with the creative, Here's how much we've spent already. And here's how much we expect to spend to finish the job. And here's the delivery date. And, and, and you just gave, you just gave away a very interesting nuance there. Cause what you didn't say was here's the money we have left to spend. Yeah. You said, here's what like, we expect to spend to complete it, which is actually, I know it sounds like the same thing, <laughs> but it's actually quite different. <laughs> Right. It is because if you can manage what you to, to what you expect to spend versus what your producer can spend, like there's it's not even hidden profit. It's yeah, profit right there. out in the open. It's it's just right there. Yeah. Again, we're we're tasked with delivering the creative to a real business and they have real people that evaluate it and are happy or, or not. And we have to make them happy, but uh, I've seen it so many times where we come in um, at the, the beginning of an engagement for a client and uh, we say something to the order of, yeah, hey, you need to hold back 50% of the project budget so that you can pay for the lights, the, the rent and all these other things. And, and people just like, they're losing their minds. But I guarantee you, you can do it. That's how every creative studio should be running. Yeah. And sometimes it, it, part of it, that is of course, redefining what we call what, and mm -hmm. really just putting some new nomenclature and some new habits in place. And then people, once they wrap their heads around it, they realize, oh my gosh, this is actually so much easier because I'm now only right. managing to one number. And if I hit that or better, I'm great. 
So right. there's no, there's none of this. Well, what's the markup and what's our profit or does this include this much overhead? You know, what about the percent of for commission? I mean, you know what I mean? It, it just really simplifies it to here's what you got. Go make That's it exactly awesome. Right. <laughs> Go make exactly it awesome right. and come in under if at all possible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, here's a question. Uh, so obviously the, the routine we just talked about is what we call the, the production roll up, which is that weekly check-in where we mm-hmm. go through all the active jobs and assess the health. The other thing that is clearly something that I never appreciated back in the day when I ran my own creative company, but has become so powerful and even sexy, dare I say, and that's <laughs> cash flow. Cash flow. Cash flow. What is the deal with cash flow? And I'm just going to, I'm going to ask you this. Why do you think I am now in love with the cash flow report? I think that the reason I, I'd say you're in love with the cash flow report or studio owners are is because it tells them what they can do and it tells them what the runway of their business is. You know, we work with clients that have a, you know, runways of six weeks where you're going to need to win a new job real soon in order to, to stay healthy. And then other clients are, you know, months uh, on end of, of being healthy with, with long-term contracts with clients. But as an owner, it dictates, it should dictate or inform the decisions that you're making about your business. What do I need to strategically invest in? How much money should I put aside for taxes? Who can I afford to hire now that's going to grow my business because I have that cash? Or there's also, and, and you know, I've been here many times, there's the unfortunate other side of that coin, which is, okay, who can I pay this week? And hopefully <laughs> we'll see the award for this um, project or, or this title sequence or something along those lines so that I can, I can pay more people next week. I've seen businesses that are thriving right now, doing fantastic, go through those lean times where a cash flow report is a real strategy document that yeah. defines decisions that we make and helps us manage difficult situations. And I've also seen and, and work with clients that, you know, never, never would have predicted this um, except for I did right. months ago that if we don't build that biz dev pipeline, we're going to be in challenges. And, and I, you know, those challenges, you know, for one of the clients that I work with, they're happening right now. And it's something that as an owner, you have a visibility into the future and you can make decisions to help create it. That's really what it is. Well, you just nailed it because I think there's it, one thing that's almost criminal is how many business owners, especially in the creative space, they get a report called a P&L and a balance sheet mm-hmm. because that's what QuickBooks spits out in, you know, pretty, it's nicely formatted and pretty. And then they're asked, okay, run your business, make decisions. What do you, you want to do? do? And the truth is a P&L and a balance sheet is so backwards looking. All I can really tell you is here's where you screwed up. Here's maybe right. you, where you could right. have done better. Or didn't. Yeah, Exactly. But everything you just walked through, when you think about cash flow and a cash flow report, is it's all in the future. So you're actually yes. making decisions and influencing the future. And I love the idea, 
right? When I sit down and go through one of these with my clients, when, when I can say, guys, eight weeks out, there's that thing right there. And every week we say, now it's seven weeks out. Now it's six weeks out. What do we want to do? Five weeks right, out. What right. do we want to do? Four weeks out. That's so powerful when you can have information that you are deciding today what you're going to do a week, a month, or even further out. It's, um, I mean, it's just, for me, it's been such a game changer and seeing how much it helps owners make decisions that are not, why didn't you, <laughs> right? That's what a PL is. Well, yeah, why didn't you? Exactly. Why didn't you spend less and make more? And that's what your accountants right. will look at you and say, well, you just need to increase sales or you need to decrease expenses. That's how you're going to be successful. And you're like, no, <laughs> you know, uh, thanks for that, Sherlock. Um, there's a better, more derogatory <laughs> way of putting that. Exactly. But yeah. But yeah. And I, what I find is the cash flow report is the tool that allows you to say, well, do we need to make more money? Yes. Let's decide today. Do we need to save yeah. this or push off this expense this week, next week? Yes. Let's do it. And it's so, it's just a complete mind shift, I think. It is. And the, the interesting thing is, you know, there's a, it, it, most people I'm certain are using the Quick, QuickBooks as their platform for, for their accounting and things yeah. like that. QuickBooks actually creates a report called Cash Flows. Da, yeah. But and don't, the, yeah. don't make that mistake of thinking that's yeah. what we're talking about. Don't make the mistake that that's going to, that's, that is cash flowed. It's a past tense report on where things went. And if you're not taking data from your profit and loss and projecting when your next payroll is and projecting when your next rent payment is and things like that, and, and then, you know, conversely, accounting for projected revenue because you've got this job from, you know, ABC or some broadcasting place or a movie title sequence or something, you've got that in-house and you expect to issue an invoice. If you're not looking at those things, you're not managing your business. Like, yeah. In you're 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 managing from the rear view mirror. Yeah, you're just looking back and saying what happened, and that's a terrible time to look at your team and say, "Well, why'd we do that? That Like that didn't make sense." And that's not a great way to then manage going forward because all you can say to your team is, "Well, don't do that ever again. Please don't screw up in that way again." And that's just not a that's just not a positive and you know, healthy way to manage your business. No. Um, but I think you make, you do make a great point that the thing that QuickBooks creates, whatever cash flowed <laughs> past yeah, tense, it's like, that thing is kind of a disaster. And I wouldn't even recommend opening it because you'll just get confused and, and angry that it's so useless. It, it's, it just gives you a false sense of, of hope. So yeah, please never, you know, confuse what, what I'm talking about with, with regards to a cash flow report, which looks at a future, um, you know, sometimes it's, and again, it, it is a weather forecast. We can, we, we know what's going to happen in, in two weeks or three weeks. Um, and, and some things get less predictable at four to six or 10. Yeah, sure. Um, but it, you know, that's why it's a living document that you, you work on every week. And again, I mean, it's my favorite thing to do. Yeah. Take the data that's in there and tell the story. What's, what's happening, what's changing, and then have strategic advice around here are the moves we should make in order to manage this unfolding situation. Hopefully, 
this unfolding success, but sometimes it's uh, it's an unfolding disaster and you work to uh, mitigate the disaster as best as you can. Well, there's always a disaster I see when I look at a cash flow report that's usually maybe 10 weeks out, right? We're looking at our all projected income and revenue, all our projected expenses. Right. And I'm like, hey, guess what, guys? We're broke in 10 weeks. And that's actually normal. That's actually totally typical for a creative company because we're booked for yeah. six, eight weeks out. We have yeah. a few receivables that we expect. But after 10 weeks, if we keep paying all of our staff and we keep paying our rent and all these other things, we don't have all these other projects beyond, you know, coming in right. beyond that. We're going to be in the red. And that's what I would just call a healthy reality. That's the story that's going to play out. Therefore, let's continue to do what we need to do. We yeah. are marketing, we're selling. And of course, we have a little you know, line on there that says, oh, by the way, what's our sales pipeline? What do those projections look yes. like? And we turn that on or off to say, what if we close all these deals? Sweet. We look great for 10 weeks. What if we don't win any of them? Oh, man, we're screwed. In and those are weeks. just two yeah. stories. Yeah. We get to say, well, which story do we think is going to play out? And then let's go influence that. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I think it's 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 fun to be able to um, work with an owner or, you know, a studio to understand what the reality looks like and how that landscape shifts and then make adjustments. That's, that is one of my favorite things. And if it's done right, it's a, it's a 15 minute call every week, maybe 10 where you cover the cash and you, you look at where things are, you look at business that's on the horizon. And, you know, if, if the business is, is struggling or we're short on cash, it could be a little longer because you're talking about, hey, we're going to pay this freelancer, but not this one, or we're going to, you know, we're going to hold back rent this week, those kinds of things. Those are real things sometimes. Let's hope not very often though. So let me take this, I have this question that I'm going to take it high for a second. So let's, let's call this a 30,000 foot view. So I'm an owner and I'm hearing all this and I'm like, part of me of, of course is like, man, I, I need to get my house in order. The other part of me is probably saying, God, I really don't like managing and dealing with finances. <laughs> like this is, not, <laughs> this is not my thing. Yeah. My big picture question is what is now possible once you get your, your house in order, your finances are running smoothly. What's now possible for you, the owner? When you put the tools in place to focus and run your studio in the way that it needs to be run, then you're free to focus on what you want. That's right. I, it sounds really cheesy, but like the thing you can get is your dreams. Like, and, and I'm, you know, I, there's no uni, I, there's no unicorns. And if you could see me right now, I'm wearing a hat with a rainbow and a unicorn on it. <laughs> but like, that's quite a picture. <laughs> I, I, I don't mean there's unicorns that are going to pop out of the sky. But like, if you apply the things that 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 we've discussed today or talked about, like it can help free you to go do what you really want to do. Yeah. And if what you really want to do is run a kick-ass studio and win everything and, and all, fantastic. Now you know you're going to do that and you're going to do it in a way that that has profit and, and secures your future and all these other things. If you want freedom, like these tools will give you the freedom to step out of the office for a period of time and 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 trust your team. And, you know, anyway, so that's 
that's the answer to that question. Well, you kind of reminded me of one of my favorite lines from the Shawshank Redemption <laughs> when you were talking. When uh, I think it's when Red is talking about the story of how Andy Dufresne escaped, and he talked right. about digging that tunnel, you know, through all this, and he did it one pocket full of rocks at a time. Right. He talked about yeah. time and pressure, time and pressure. And in a way, that's a lot of what we're talking about is if you set your goal on, I want to escape this, <laughs> whether it's Shawshank prison or you have some, <laughs> but you have some dream. I think we of, all want to escape that. Yeah, I think yes. that's, that's clear. But yeah, if you, you know, you <laughs> want that fame, what does that look like? What You want that fortune, you want that freedom. Um, right. And once you put those systems and routines in place, given time, and those those healthy pressures, it's amazing what you can create. You know, yes. you, you can bore Absolutely. a tunnel to that to that destination, and get busy living or get busy dying, right? Yeah, yeah. Because here's the thing: you're gonna you're gonna spend the years, anyways. You know, when I when I ask owners, "What is your dream? What is your goal?" and they're kind of like, "Well, I don't know. I'm not really into goal setting." <laughs> I, I, I yeah, I often say, "Well, look, you're gonna spend the time one way or the other." You know, right. and what were you planning on doing with the rest of your life anyways? So you might yeah. as well create Sounds a goal. Sounds like my 19-year-old son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really into goals or lists. Right, yeah. sure. Yeah. Sure, but, you know, it's amazing how powerful they can be because then it, it gives some something <clears throat> like you as a translator to work with. Mm -hmm. Like, how do yeah. I actually take that goal and translate it into a plan that given yes. time and given pressure we're going to go create that reality. I mean, Absolutely. that's, that's pretty fun. It's exactly why I love doing what I do with, uh, with Rethink is enabling companies to achieve greater than they would have on their own. And, and really I, I love the, some of the things that some of our clients say to us about, I, I can't believe you can see this coming or, I can't believe the visibility that this information gives us or that I can't believe that I can go do what I've always wanted to do, but, but couldn't do it because I, I didn't have a strategy to get there. And yeah. my business is a tool. If we don't apply that tool correctly or efficiently, we will never get it to do what it's meaning to do. Yeah. I, I, one of my clients that runs a motion design studio the other day, we were putting those goals down and creating that plan. And we put the splits in and we start, you know, this mm -hmm. weekly routines, but he's kind of looking at me like, is that it? It's, it seems way too simple. Like yeah. that, that, that can't be it. And, but like you said, it's like, no, it, here are these projects, here are these dollars. This is the systems and routines that we're going to use to manage that. And we just stick to our plan and we're going to watch it come into reality. Yep, exactly. So what should, people do that maybe they want to find out more, they want to connect, they want to get maybe other ideas on how they can make progress. Should they, should they maybe connect to us uh, with us through the Facebook group? What do you, what do you recommend? I mean, I think it, it really depends on what, what kind of needs your studio has. Certainly the seven ingredients Facebook group that we have is fantastic. And if you're a, a smaller studio, Jumpstart, you know, which obviously you run, Joel, is, yep. a, is a great, great, great resource, um, great vehicle and resource. If you really find that we talked about it earlier, you've gotten to the point in your studio's life cycle where 
you, you need to tr- pivot, you need to transition. Um, I mean, just reach out to us and let's look at what are the problems that you're facing and what are the goals that you have and how can we come in and support you in achieving those things? That's really the, the simplest way to put it. Yeah. And this is something um, we do really regularly, you know, in the forms of uh, these assessments and we have some yep. diagnostics, but, you know, we have conversations with creative business owners all the time. So for us, it's very natural to just sit down and say, where are you at? And let's talk about some of the strategies that are going to get you where you want to go. Exactly. That's right. And then we can come up with those recommendations and come up with a plan to get there. And it's really simple. Well, cool. man. It's, <laughs> I hope this has been fun despite, you know, finances is mm-hmm. arguably one of the least favorite topics that creatives want to sit down and talk about, but I, it's probably I, the least favorite or maybe one of the least favorite topics for them. It's one of my most favorite topics. So I, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for indulging me. Cause I, I enjoy it. Uh, it's so fun to be able to, like I said, it, it really isn't about, oh, hey, here's a spreadsheet with numbers or here's a P&L that shows a profit at the end of the year. It is about how do we take the information that's available to us, strategize and plan how we're going to run the business and make uh, the future that we want. Yeah. That's what I love about the, the part of RevThink that I do. Well, hopefully you've, you've inspired some creative entrepreneurs out there to have a sense of what's Pick possible. Pick up a spreadsheet. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, just to realize what's now possible and that there right. actually is a way to manage the ingredient of finances in a way that is actually pretty exciting and fun. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for sharing your thoughts. And uh, we look forward to hearing from people uh, and seeing you folks in the Seven Ingredients Facebook group and be sure to give a shout out to Jason and say thanks. So I appreciate you being on the podcast, telling us all about the goodness of the area of finance. Fantastic. Thank you, Joel. Thanks everybody. RevThinking is produced by RevThink. Feel free to connect with us at RevThink.com. We'd love to help. And hey, if you like the RevThinking podcast, please do us a favor by subscribing on iTunes and giving us your feedback. Thanks for listening to RevThinking. I want to tell you about a place to connect that you might not know about. It's our online community called Rev Community. It's a great place to get to know other creative business owners like yourself, to share some thought leadership and read other encouragement, to be challenged in this new marketplace, new technology, ideas, economic trends, and it's a place to research. Check out many of the resources we have online, our videos, and of course, this podcast. Join us today at revthink.com slash community. If you're a creative studio owner, feel free to join us today at revthink.com slash community. I look forward to seeing you there.